thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The WeatherTech Sports Car Championship on IMSA Radio. Let's uh, welcome my co-conspirators here to the evening session uh, with the time at, uh, what, just coming up to a quarter past six uh, here in Sebring. Uh, and yet, Sheer Adam, it's been dark for, what, 45, 50 minutes? Hello. Hello. Uh, yes, it started getting dark at about, oh, I'll be generous and say an hour ago. Uh, and then it was properly dark about 30 minutes ago. And yeah, now it's as, well, it's as dark as it could be. And we're at Sebring International Raceway where there's not a great deal of track lighting. Typically, we come straight here off the back of the Rolex 24 Hours of Daytona where the track is very well lit, even mm. though it's a 24-hour race. And drivers have to adjust themselves to get ready for this night running. Well, right now, it's very, very dark out there, and there are 25 drivers who need to get night laps in, and of course, they need to make sure that their co-drivers get the night laps in too. So even though it's an hour and a half long session, doesn't necessarily mean it's not going to be frantic and fun. Now, it's a fair point, well made, isn't it, Jeremy? The uh, the character, the atmosphere of this race, very different for a number of reasons. Much later in the year. Although, in fairness, the, the temperature is pretty good. Still 26 Celsius in the air, 28 uh, on the track. So that's not so bad. Very humid now, 84% humidity. It was uh, mid to high 70s in the earlier session today. But probably somewhere near twice as much um, darkness than we would have in March when we run this race on Saturday. Yes, yeah, certainly better part of a couple of extra hours. Yes, good good point. You know, it's going to be as as you've just been alluding to. It's going to be the you know, sun, official sunset tomorrow is five thirty seven p.m. I think it is, and the race goes on till 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 when? 10, 10. It's not supposed 10. to finish till uh, ten ten, is yeah. it? So, yeah, better part of uh, yeah, so at least four and a half hours of full darkness. Um, so you're going on uh, a third of the race. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be a challenge for these for everybody out there to do to do that and you know th- th- this this session now then just assumes even more importance than it would have done uh in back in march but you know the um this is a track that you know, pretty much all of these teams know know pretty well now they know the intricacies of it uh but they also know that you know when the sun goes down it was hot and humid today it's certainly going to be uh, significantly cooler i think and probably a good bit faster potentially this evening than it was in the two practice sessions we've had earlier today Uh, And confirmed, by the way, it is the uh, 31 uh, at the exit uh, of the pit lane. Of course it is. Uh, uh, Their hair being beaten out. I I, I don't know what it is uh, and why they feel they they need to be out first in the sessions. But we have seen uh, at times in the past, uh, teams have been messing with them. I remember at... uh, um, Watkins Glen a couple of years ago maybe before they were even allowed onto the pit lane uh, we had a couple of teams go ahead of them that saw that they could drive down to the end of the pit lane first and that was like oh that was like oh that's messing that's messing with us 
um, which was very, very interesting uh, indeed. Uh, we've had the green flag. Cars are out uh, on the circuit, and uh, it is the 31 that has gone out first, the, uh, the Cadillac, number 31, and the undoubted rumble uh, of the large capacity V8 engine out through the darkness and that's good news because we're going to get uh, the cars coming out this is a straight session uh, in terms of who is allowed out Jeremy there's you know that it is a, an all skate for the whole time and uh, not as we saw in the earlier session yeah that's right and uh, there's you know, quite a few drivers that, that you have to go out uh, in in this session um, probably 20-odd, trying, trying to add them up as, a, as, a count, as, a, as I talk, and I can't, I can't do that anymore. 25. Probably used to be able to do once, 25 is it, yeah, really good. Um, plus one, of course, is not even here, that being uh, Nick Yellowly. So, um, yeah, the, the, you know, some of the teams, the, the, that's going to be their primary focus. Get out there now, uh, do their uh, minimum three laps, and, uh, and then move on to the next driver and then then kind of start work after that they're going to get the the duties completed first of all and that's jeremy shaw he's with me in the haggerty global broadcast center uh, and Shea adam is our uh, pit and paddock reporter vp racing fuel pit and paddock reporter uh, nick yellowley's name mentioned there explain why nick yellowley and indeed cameron lawrence is going to be involved this weekend for those perhaps just joining us here well, unfortunately, this weekend is not going to be Bill Powered for Turner Motorsports and their multiple BMWs. Bill Offerland was slated to drive not only the 96 GTD car, but the 95 GS car in the Michelin Pilot Challenge. He has been around someone who tested positive for COVID, so he has elected to self-quarantine, not risk anybody, even though he himself is waiting for the negative test results to come back. So Bill is not here. He's doing the responsible thing and hats off to Bill for taking that step because not very many race car drivers would be able to isolate themselves in that sort of situation. But Bill is stepping away from his favorite race of the season and he is being replaced by not one, but two drivers, as John mentioned, saying it takes very big shoes to try and fill the big shoes of Bill Oberlin. Nick Yellowly, the British race car driver, is coming over from England, slated to land right about now. I believe up in Orlando. So his first track action of the weekend will be in the warm-up just before the 12 hours begins. Now, in GS, Cameron Lawrence has been drafted in to fill in for Bill in that situation. So he is sharing with Robbie Foley. Robbie Foley is still doing double duty. And Dylan McAvern, the third driver in the Turner Motorsports BMW car, is also doing double duty. So busy weekend for Turner. As ever as ever Gabby Chavez to the top Jeremy with a 155.2 what sort of time should we be looking at here well the fastest time of the day so far was set in the second practice by Rango van der Zander he had a, he had a slight gearbox issue uh, earlier in the uh, earlier in the day uh, they got that fixed and Rango van der Zander went out and turned a 147.478 which is uh, just fractions away six one thousandths of a second away from the fastest lap record that was set last year by uh, harry ticknell in the mazda the fastest lap in the race 
that took place earlier this year, just after the the, uh, kind of the end of the lockdown in July, was by Pipa Durrani at 147.6. So that 147.4 is you know, a good lap time by Ranga van der Zender. I think it bodes well for for the, for the race for the uh, for Saturday. The qualifying lap record, well, that was set back in. Uh, was also set last year by Dane Cameron in the Acura, a 145.8. So we've still got a fair way to go to get anywhere near that mark. Sheer, probably a good idea to go through the uh, the rest of the news whilst the early laps are going in. Sure thing. We have a few additional drivers for this weekend's race. We've got in the 85, Scott Andrews has been drafted in. Very impressive young man in the LMP3 category. I believe he finished second or third in the IMSA Prototype Challenge this year, as a matter of fact, driving alongside Jerry Kraut. We've got the 911 and the 912 Porsche sharing Earl Bamber. And also driving in the 912 Porsche is Neil Yanni. Gabby Chavez, Neil Johnny, excuse me, Gabby Chavez has joined the 31 Whalen Engineering Cadillac crew that's won the Sebring race here. Uh, let me think. Oh, yeah, the last two times we've been at Sebring. So a very strong organization for Gabby to join. Uh, we have Joey Hand. Welcome back, Joey Hand, into the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. He is filling in for Alvaro Parent in the 57 Heinricher Racing Acura. And Lexus has decided to swap their endurance drivers for this race. Michael De Casada is now driving in the 14 and no, in the 12. And Kyle Kirkwood is driving in the 14, whereas they were the other way around the last time we had an endurance race. Jeremy. Jeremy. Scott Andrews. Just a couple of couple, excuse yeah. me, a couple of notes to add there to Shay's kind of wrap up. Uh, Joey Hand, yeah, he hasn't driven a race car like uh, she said for 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 well over a year I think but he has done an awful lot of karting this season that's because his uh, 14 year old son Chase has been uh, chasing around the kart tracks on the west coast and, uh, and Joey has been uh, has been the sort of, well everything uh, chief bottle washer included I think uh, but also doing a fair bit of test driving the kart just to kind of keep himself in shape uh, so uh, but it's certainly been a long long time away from, from the racetrack for Joey it's great to see him back again Scott Andrews uh, a lot of experience in, in LMP3 cars of course including winning a couple of races this season in the IMSA in the IMSA uh, prototype challenge series but this is his first time in a DPI in fact he hadn't even turned a lap at all prior to FP1 this morning so it's been a very very steep learning curve for Scott I think he's got about maybe 30 laps in at the most so far um, very different animals how he, he described it so the, the most difficult part for him is getting used to the car being very pitch sensitive so he likes to trail the brakes into the corner carry a lot of speed down to the apex of the corner well he's having a hard time doing that because the, the rear end of the car just doesn't give him that confidence that he's kind of used to so you know, he's sort of building himself up to that but uh, you know, he's he's loving this opportunity great, very grateful for the chance he's got Scott Andrews is just a great great guy he's hard to believe now he's actually he's actually uh, turned uh, turned 30 uh, earlier this year which is uh, hard for me to believe because he still, still seems like a youngster who'd so, you know, he's from Australia came over here got himself an opportunity to, to drive in the F1600 series on the East Coast but that was back, back in 2015 won that championship very very impressively and then since then he's just been you know kind of you know chipping away at things he does a lot of coaching uh, he does a lot of driving all sorts of different cars but this is a, a great opportunity for Scott Andrews and I think he's uh, he's grabbing it with both hands 
fair play to the lad, uh, no doubt. Yeah, cool story, really. Yeah, very good, very good indeed. Times tonight, of course, don't count for anything uh, because we'll be qualifying uh, tomorrow. Fast Friday is um, is packed, actually. There's barely a, a, a few minutes to take a breath anywhere uh, in terms of uh, the sessions. The vast majority of them will have in uh, sound and vision as well. All the, uh, the Challenger... Um, series races will have that's Lamborghini and Porsche will have IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship in sound and vision and they're available everywhere uh, it's all free on IMSA TV IMSA Radio Audio always free of course and no blocks or breaks anywhere uh, as far as the Alan J 120 which is the Michelin Pilot Challenge race if you're outside the US we'll have that for you with no blocks or breaks if you're in the US you'll have to wait a couple of weeks to get some uh, highlights on the NBC SN broadcast uh, and that will be your uh, way into that uh, but of course again you can listen live free uh, and without interruption on IMSA Radio so plenty going on tomorrow I suggest that if you're going to be either here at the track or listening further afield that you uh, stock up on snacks tomorrow because there's not going to be a lot of time to go <laughs> anywhere and do anything I'm, I'm actually putting together not just a broadcast plan I'm actually putting together a, a munchies plan uh, for tomorrow because I don't think we've, uh, we've got much time in between all the sessions and it starts pretty early uh, as well with Porsches racing at uh, eight eight o'clock local or, or thereabouts so uh, two races for Porsche two races for Lamborghinis and the Michelin Pilot Challenge uh, all uh, going um, tomorrow so it's going to be very very busy day on Fast Friday and then the big race the 68th annual uh, Mobile 112 hours of Sebring on Saturday, uh, down into the fort. Sorry, go ahead, Shay. Not the 86th running. No, not the 86th. 68th. No, but it depends. <laughs> if you were standing on your head, you'd nearly be there, wouldn't you? Uh, <laughs> already down into the 149s. Renga von der Zander for Connick and not the Cadillac DPI uh, Dash V Racing. That number 10 car back in the pits already, uh, with uh, two and a half tenths. On the field at the moment, Mazda looking good in second. That's Ryan Hunter rear in the 55 car, Jeremy. And just one Mazda for next year, we're hearing. Uh, but with Ollie Jarvis and Harry Tinknell in the car, uh, that is a formidable lineup, albeit with one bullet in the gun. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, the lineup they have now. Both uh, American, American drivers out of there, from my perspective, for an American series. But um, you know, you certainly can't fault um, the, the 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 driver pairing they've chosen. I mean, you know, four very talented drivers. Uh, yeah, there should be a. Uh, Shea can give us uh, an update on the number 10 car at the top of the field. I spoke to Ranger van de Zander earlier who said that the car feels much better than it did the last time out. They struggled massively at WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca where they actually, when they got the car back from the shop, did a full strip down. They put a 
basically a brand new engine. They rebuilt the engine to try and find this electrical gremlin that's been plaguing them for a couple of weeks. They feel much better about the car. And this is a track where Cadillac tends to drive. So they're feeling very good about their chances for the championship. Okay, very good. Uh, let's see if we can get Jeremy to finish his point there about what he was uh, talking about before the internet took him away from us. Jeremy, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I can't remember where I was going now. I can't, I can't remember how far I'd got, to be honest. Like we'd... Yep, lost him again there, unfortunately. I'll tell you what I'll do. I will uh, um. I'll redial to JS uh, and see if we can uh, get him back. Yeah. Meantime, uh, we've got a problem out on the far side of the circuit, and that is for the 30, the 3-0 car, uh, which currently is being... Uh, driven by Rob Ferriol for Team Hardpoint, and he's done a bit of grass, a bit of grass tracking, uh, Shea, but he's back on the circuit, and yes. that looks like Tower, he's back on the circuit. Yes, yeah. Oh, no, sorry, that's... Uh, At that's the, the back 16. Yeah, that's the onto the back straight. I'd, uh, I'd forgotten that they put the wall closer on the on driver's left there. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I, th I think he looped it going into 16, actually, and then managed to get it uh, facing oncoming traffic rather than uh, face oncoming traffic drove off onto the grass. See if that is actually what happened for Rob. He's one of the drivers who needs to get his lap time in. Yeah, he was just too far away from the apex. And actually a close call with the 38 Performance Tech card, the LMP2 machine, which all three of its drivers need to get its night laps in, too. So, um yeah, a lot of night lap needing drivers having a bit of struggles at this point. Yeah, great to see Sebring again in nighttime hours. 9.11 and 9.12, Porsches running uh, thank you liveries. It is their last time out with the RSR 19. And they've both been ploughing a furrow, almost literally, on the edges of the curve. Lawrence Vantour in the FP2 session earlier on today. Uh, was uh, off the track at one, then again at five, uh, going into six. And uh, did slow him down that much, though, Jeremy. He was very quick early on, was Lawrence? Yeah, yes. Uh, and uh, I mean, yeah, I think everything's kind of go, kind of going to plan there. So, um, you yeah, know, no, no, no problems. Um, it's been interesting to see that that's been for Rob Ferrell. Just thinking also, who's sharing that car this weekend with Rob Ferrell and Andrew Davis is Pierre Caffer. Uh, there's another guy who hasn't been around this planet for, for several years. Got a lot of experience over here, of course. But Pierre Caffer, uh, the uh, the uh, Swiss-based German driver, uh, his last race in this chapter, most recent race in this series, was 2017 Rolex 24 at Daytona. So it's been a while for Pierre Caffer. Yeah, good to have him. But I still keep thinking of young Pierre Caffer, you know, and, he, and he's one of the uh, elder statesmen. Yeah, he's one of the elder statesmen. I, I remember talking to him, I mean, it's, it's quite a few years ago now. We were sitting in uh, in Marion's at Coulter, um, the year when Marion's uh, was on the outside uh, of the track at Coulter, and sitting talking to Pierre and suddenly realising that he wasn't one of the young lads anymore. He was one of the elder statesmen in the paddock. And, you know, he's... His uh, thoughts about what was going on were, were very mature and very sensible, and, and and had come from experience. And I sort of said that to him, and we had a big, big laugh about it. Um, I mean, he's now um, got three Sabring wins, uh, of course, or four, or nine, and ten. 
Uh, so no way around this place. And, and by the way, uh, our very best regards to Marion uh, and Sandra and uh, the rest of the team who would normally be here doing uh, our catering different times for the moment. But we wish them uh, all the best as we head into the holiday season and uh, hopefully see them soon. Um, and a new fastest time, Jeremy. By uh, Dean Cameron. Yes, correct. Dean Cameron. Yes. Two different things here. One says one and one says the other. Dean Cameron at 149.4. And then, what's the other screen say? Yeah, that hasn't updated. That's weird. Um, so, yeah, 149.4 then for uh, Dane Cameron. The fastest time earlier on, 47.4. So, still a couple of seconds away from those times. But, again, at this stage, people, yeah, most of the teams, I think all the drivers in that number uh, six car, are uh, you know, they, they don't need to do any, any nighttime laps. So, uh, no problem there. They can just get on with their, with their run plan for this session. Um, and I think that would include primarily getting... Uh, the, the, the third driver, Simon Pagano, up to speed uh, alongside the Wapala Motor and Dane Cameron. Uh, because um, in the first two sessions, I think Wapala and Dane Cameron just, just did a few laps each. And then uh, Simon Pagano drove in both of those sessions. So I'm sure the plan is to get Simon Pagano as much seat time as they possibly can. Another Porsche incident, another Porsche ploughing furrow incident at turn three. Uh, there. Mostly their right-hand side Michelins have been doing a fair bit of uh, grass tracking at various parts uh, of the circus. Uh, well, Porsche did build tractors, of course, and we had that brilliant Rensport Porsche tractor race uh, a couple of years ago now, isn't it? Uh, that with the uh, Junior, the Standard and the Master. Fantastic piece of engineering. With the, the engines on that, um, the cylinders were able to be sort of bolted on. So you had a single, a twin, uh, and a triple. Oh, sorry, was it a twin, a triple, and a four? But um, basically, the engine, you just bolted. It was a modular construction on the tractor engine, and you just bolted another, uh, effectively bolted another uh, cylinder on to increase the capacity. Genius stuff. Uh, and I think, I think once Porsche announced that there was going to be a tractor race at Rensport that put a zero on the end of all the values of Porsche tractors all the way around the world. <laughs> Try getting one now. Um, brilliant. So, out on the circuit at the moment, Dave Cameron, well, he's in the pits. Ryan Hunter Ray for Master Motorsports is running, uh, and that car is second. Renga van der Sander has brought the Conic and Minolta Cadillac into third. Um, and fourth is Mustang Sampling, and that's another Cadillac. So it's Acura, Mazda, Cadillac, Cadillac, Mazda, Acura, Cadillac. So Ricky Taylor out in the seven car. Shake, go ahead. Uh, there's a new name listed on the timing screen, 96 BMW, Y-E-L. Nick Yellowly uh, has I th arrived. I thought he might arrive tonight, funny enough, when we were talking about that earlier on. So Nick Yellowly, works driver, needed to get some laps in to be able to complete nighttime laps in the race, has arrived and uh, goes up to sixth position in his opening stanza in that number 96. I would think, and uh, let's be fair, I know the timetables uh, from the UK as they were, 
to Florida. Uh, I would think that he arrived uh, sometime early in the afternoon, so he's probably come pretty much straight from the airport uh, and got into his gear, uh, and he's getting down to business straight away. Uh, and uh, already, as I say, up the sixth position, just behind Roman De Angelis for Heart of Racing, Aston Martin, and Carl Kirkwood in fourth for Ian Vassar Sullivan Lexus. Uh, Frank Pereira has just gone out for GRT Grasse as well. 48.992. Last time around for Ricky Taylor. Uh, well, Accurate Penske now first and second, Jeremy. Yeah, it's looking good, isn't it, once again? Uh for Acura, I mean, they've been you know, the class of the field these last uh, few, few races, it seems like. It had uh, four wins out of, out of the last five, and uh, you know, things have been going very, very well indeed. You know, last time around, they had the 1-2 uh, the, uh, finish for that for that team, and it, it, it kind of should have been the other way around. It should have been number six and number seven, but uh, with the number seven car very much in championship contention, uh, in order to uh, give them even more of a boost, uh, the number seven car was waved through with just over a lap to go, so went on to win the race, and that's why they have a two-point edge now over the uh, number ten car coming into this final round of the season. So once again, looking very, very, both Acura's looking very, very strong. Very strong, very strong indeed. And I would expect to see them play the team game this weekend. They do have effectively two bullets in the gun, not necessarily uh, for the championship, but they can play the team game. Should it be? Required. Now, I don't have an issue with that. If they're still on the lead lap and they're trying to uh, win a championship, then I think that's fine. Uh, the guys at Conic and Minolta, uh, they're a singleton entry. Uh, they may get some help from, from some fellow Cadillac teams, but that doesn't necessarily happen in, in the same way as when you've got two cars from the same outfit, although not pitted together. Uh, and we've, we've made this point a few times. I've got some tweets, actually, um, after the, the last race year about that. But that's not accidental. That, that is not, that is not a, a quirk of the regulations, and it's not accidental. No, and, and it's even more flaunted uh, this weekend, given that the first prototype in the first pit box is the number seven for Acura Team Penske, and the last prototype in the last prototype pit box which only behind it are GTD cars, is the number six ah. Acura Team Penske. Now, it's been this way since the beginning. This is not something new, but they elected to enter the two cars as separate entries, meaning that they would have two separate pit stands. They do garage together. They have the same garage area or the same tent area, depending on where we are for any given race weekend. But as far as the pit lane is concerned, they are two completely separate race teams. Yeah, and it does mean, of course, that when they bring them in together, they're not tripping over each other. They don't have to do double stacking or anything like that. And they can work separately should they, should they desire. And it's an interesting decision. But, Jeremy, it's very Penske because there is literally no stone unturned. Everything that could be optimised for performance and for a gain in performance, they'll look at it and they've clearly feel that that gives them some tiny or perhaps substantial performance advantage in terms of their pit stops. Yeah, um, you know, they, they, 
that team doesn't do things by halves. They, yeah. they, you know, they think about absolutely everything, no stone left unturned. So, you know, if, if you're running one, two, if the cars are together on the racetrack and have to come in and pit one in front of the other, it can be tricky, particularly if uh, the car that is kind of ahead on the racetrack is pitted uh, behind the car that's, uh, that's that's leading on the racetrack, it's got to go, got to go around him to, to make to make the pit stop. So you know, it's by by, by having those those uh, team the two cars separated pit lane, particularly where the IMSA, the way IMSA sets up its pit boxes, there's different categories of cars in between each of the uh, each of the teams. So uh, you know, the chances of being box in or out are, are vastly reduced if you split the two cars apart on pit lane. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And of course, this weekend, the way things line up, that means both of those cars, uh, if they come in when it is just DPI, will have a clean run in and a clean run out. So you're spot on. That's exactly how they'll line up uh, this weekend. Just over an hour still to go. It's Penske Acura, Penske Acura, Mazda Motorsports, uh, and Ricky Taylor's just gone back, uh, sorry, just come back into the pit lane. Dane Cameron and Jonathan Bomarito both out. Cadillac in the shape of the number 10 championship contending Conning at Minolta uh, machine. And uh, championship, Jeremy, and I, I know we'll say this a few times, but understandably people joining us all the time. DPI championship uh, still very much up for grabs. Yes, yeah, certainly is. Uh, just two points separating Elio Castroneves and Ricky Taylor from Ryan Briscoe and Regan van der Zande in second position. And then just seven points behind them is Pipa Durrani, number 31, Wheeland Engineering Cadillac. So very much uh, everything to play for there. In LMP2, that's already been wrapped up by, by Patrick Kelly. GTLM already wrapped up by Antonio Garcia and Jordan Taylor. Um, yeah, even if, even if they don't start the race. Uh, in GTD, however, that's that's very much open. Uh, Mario Farnbacher and McMurray have a seven-point edge over Ryan Hardwick and Patrick Long, so Acura ahead of Porsche. And then the two Lexus drivers, Aaron Tielitz is best placed of those. He's just one point behind Hardwick and Long. So uh, he's uh, very much in the thick of things as well um, in terms of the championship. Uh, and don't forget as well, of course, this is the final round, not only of the overall championship, but within the championship, there's the Michelin Endurance Cup as well for all of the long races that we've had this year. Remember, there's a Sprint Cup in GT Daytona. That's uh, all over and done with. That was uh, sorted out at WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca last time out. But the other side, if you like, of, of that, that coin is the Long Distance Championship, Jeremy, and it's just as close there as well in the classes. Well, yes, uh, and in fact, uh, in some cases, even, even more so. The In DPI, the, the number 10 team has an edge of five points over the number 31, so that can certainly be, be overhauled. And number 31 car, they've won the uh, Mission Endurance Cup as it is now for the last two years, and uh, the uh, the Action Express team won it in pre three previous years with number five car as well, so mm. they're no strangers to winning that championship. In uh, in GTL, in, in LMP2, uh, that's um, pretty much, yeah, that's already been wrapped up again by PR1 Matheson Motorsports. GTLM, though, uh, Jesse Crowe and John Edwards in the number uh, 24 BMW, they, they lead the best of the Porsches by six points, so that can be overhauled. Um, it's it's really only, in, in order to do so, it means it mean, it mean that number 
24 car to have a really bad day. Uh, and ditto in GTD, where the number 48 team has a, a, a nine-point edge over the number 63 Ferrari, the number 86 Acura, and the number 44 GRT Magnus Lamborghini. And uh, in order to clinch the championship there, uh, Brown Sellers, Madison Snow and Corey Lewis, all they would really need to do is finish in the top three in, uh, well, any of the four-hour marks during the race. So if they finish in the top three at the four-hour mark, they're game over in GTD. Yeah, and that's a good point that Jeremy's making there here in the Haggerty Global Broadcast Centre, dear listener, uh, because there are interim points awarded for that Michelin Endurance Club after four hours, eight hours, and then at the end of the race. Whereas, of course, for the main championship, points only at the chequered flag. And what that does mean, and we have seen this before, is for those teams in with the championship in championship contention, and it's normally, we have to do this at the end of the season for uh, Mathilde Petit-Lemon, um, we have to think why people have stopped at strange times coming up to those interim points. Well, it'll be four and eight tomorrow, uh, and we'll be very tired, very emotional by the time we get to eight hours, and we'll completely have forgotten what I've just said, uh, and uh, and uh, and then go. Oh, oh, he's coming early. Why is he coming early? Oh, he might have had a. Oh no, hang on. And then Shea will say, Oh yeah, but they might have gone off strategy for the points. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. And then I'll slink away and get another cup of coffee. Uh, so I'm just trailing that ahead for for Saturday because uh, that is bound to happen at some stage. Uh, you're listening to IMSA Radio on RST around the world, around the track as well, uh, of course. And good to have your company wherever you are. Uh, and we've ju just got under an hour still to go. And I'm impressed at these times coming in. David Enemar Hansen haven't called his name for a wee while in IMSA competition. Uh, Shea and Jeremy, 152.593, top of the class in LMP2. Who do you want? Either, jump in. Okay, uh, David Hennemeyer Hansen actually was one of the most vocal people against having this race in March because of COVID and the spread. So he has been sitting out of racing basically ever since then. And as soon as they announced that this race was going to be taking place in November and once he realized that things were getting, well, better, um, he has decided to come back to racing and to participate this weekend with the Power Motorsports car. So the last time he drove a car was with Power Motorsports, the 24 Hours of Daytona back in January. And now he's back in a race car once again to wrap up the season with them. He's not backward in coming forward on his social media, is DHH. And I actually quite like having a bit of back and forth with him. He's got uh, very strongly held beliefs about a number of things in racing. However, he can explain himself. Uh, and, you know, you've got to give him, I think, some credit here. Uh, when he was critical at the start of the year, and... Uh, now, with the race having been moved, which is what he said should happen, he's signed up and he's back here. And I, I, I think you've got to say, well, he's put his money where his mouth was, uh, quite literally, in his case, as he's a gentleman driver and therefore uh, appears to be in the car. Uh, in Out of the pits, rather, goes the leading GT Le Mans machine, the Porsche number 912, 158.364 for that car, Earl Bamba. Uh, doing double duty across those two cars this weekend. And Nick Yellowley's improved to fifth position in GTD. Uh, got ahead of Carl Kirkwood in the Ambassador Sullivan 
uh, Lexus uh, and a time of two zero, two minutes 4.0 for Nick Yellowly now back in the pit lane presumably Shea he's done the requisite number of laps to get his night laps in he has done three laps so yes he has uh, achieved that we are still missing and this list is my unofficial list Matt Bell, Guy Cosmo, Richard Heisand, Mikkel Jensen, Cooper McNeil, Naveen Rao, Stein Schorthorst, and John Potter need to get their laps in. Now, some of those names you might be thinking, well, why do they need to get their laps in? They've raced at Sebring for consecutive years. Well, bronze drivers must do night laps no matter what the track is Good and no matter when the last time was that they raced there. So that's why some of those names are on the list. As for the other ones, it's because either they haven't been here in a certain amount of time or they haven't been here, period. Now, Yellowly, platinum rated driver, but he has to get the night laps in because he's never raced in Sebring before. Yeah, and that's a good point you raise about the, the bronze drivers. And, and to be honest, getting out there and doing laps, even on a circuit that you know in the dark, the circuit, Jeremy, as you well know, uh, and I certainly know, circuit looks very different in the darkness to what it does in the daytime. You have to pick different braking spots, different reference points around the circuit. Yeah, uh, and for, for, for Nick Galley, I have to say, you've got to be impressed by that. I mean, he, 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 I don't think he's ever been here before. No, Certainly hasn't well, not in a race. No, it's correct. Um, so to be uh, to go fifth fastest inside inside a half a dozen laps, it's the first time here. Uh, yeah, that's getting with the program. Yes, okay, he's got a huge amount of experience in these in these in these cars. He, he won Nurburgring. He was part of the winning team at Nurburgring, wasn't he? 24 hours this year. Yes, he I was. Believe. Yeah. Uh, so you know, yeah, he knows the cars backwards. But uh, and I'm sure he's done a lot of simulator laps uh, at Sebring, even if he wasn't planning on racing here, probably. So, um, but still, you know, that's uh, that's a stout effort. Well done to the to the Englishman for setting that fifth fastest time. Yeah. That wasn't the question, though, was it? No, 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 that's fine. Uh, he, he's, done, he's done 10 laps uh, in that stint, um, okay. which is, is very, very impressive. Um, his uh, best being a 2-0-4-0, which is uh, given him that, uh, that position. Uh, I, I think he'll be very pleased with that. What I don't know yeah. is whether he's tested here for BMW because Sebring is one of the places that a lot of European teams uh, in other times uh, so you know back in the last year this time that last year there would have been teams here testing and whether BMW were here last year or the, indeed the year before when they still had a uh, oh in fact actually the, the GT3 program has been ongoing so they could well have been here uh, doing some testing but uh, whatever it's dark it's under pressure. He's just got off a transatlantic flight, uh, which is, you know, a minimum of, of eight hours, uh, probably another couple of hours either end by the time you've faffed around at the airport, etc. Um, that that is that is not messing about, Jeremy. It's not it's not standing um, scratching underneath your armpits uh, at the water cooler, having a chat and reading the papers. He's got down to work straight away. He has, isn't it? I think the adrenaline's probably still still coursing through his veins after getting up at whatever time he had to get up this morning uh, to get to the That's airport and get on down well. here. Yeah. So yeah, really, really fine effort by Nick Yellowly. Yeah, very good point. I'd forgotten about that. Uh, it seems such a long time the, uh, since I've been on an aeroplane 
in fact, probably for the better part of 40 years, I've not had my feet on the ground as long as I had since I've, I came back from Bathurst 12 hours in the early part of Feb. Uh, and I, I kind of blocked out all of that. Oh, yeah, get to the airport two and a bit hours beforehand. And, oh, OK, get up half an hour before you go to bed. And uh, where's my passport? And um, the IMSA credits, is it the IMSA credits this week? Which shirt do I need to take? And uh, all that kit that goes in me have a sack. Uh, and then which car park my parking at? And then, all right, now I can sit down and have breakfast when I get to the airport. Yes. Uh, and thank goodness for uh, our uh, lovely friends at Audi Silver Car, because I never have to worry about picking up the car on the other side of it. It's just there. And somebody's there to pick me up, or there's a, a car there uh, already. Um, but yes, you forget about all the um, associated bits around the travel when uh, you have to get on a long haul flight. Uh, Ricky Taylor's back in the pit lane now, but still has the best time at the top of the DPI running with uh, Ollie Pla out in the 77 Mazda. Uh, Ryan Briscoe now behind the wheel of the Cunningham and Alter car. And Pete Durrani's just gone up into third position, Jeremy, for the championship contending 31 car. Has to be pretty much a, a win for them this weekend for them to continue their championship challenge. Yeah, agreed. Uh, yeah, they, but the good news, of course, is that that is the car that won here back in July. So mm. they know they can do it. Um, and um, you know, I think they're, they're in good shape. Interesting to see the top three now. Acura Mazda Cadillac in that order, separated by three tenths of a second. Not really relevant to anything, I must admit, but it's always, it's always interesting to see that, um, it, that there doesn't seem to be much to choose between each of the cars at any particular time out there. So uh, yeah, good luck by people at Durrani. And it, it is very much, uh, uh, you know, they, they have to win this race. They know they have to win this race. They've got a, a nine point def deficit to make up over Elio Castronova and Ricky Taylor and that's going to be really really hard to do because even if they win then um, in, fact, in fact even if they, a tie on points will not be enough for Pippo Durrani because uh, he would have only won two races whereas in the number seven car has already won four yeah. so uh, effectively make that a ten point deficit in which case you know, the, uh, a fifth place is all that uh, Elio Castroneves and Ricky Taylor need to take care of number 31 car. Of course, that, that's, that doesn't take into account number 10. Uh, and if the uh, if the number 10 car wins the race, then that is going to be good enough, irrespective of what happens to Elio Castroneves and Ricky Taylor. So it's, uh, yeah, it's going to be an intriguing battle, I think, tomorrow. There's going to be nothing left to chance by number 31 team, for sure. Uh, and number 7 team, they could be afford, afford to be a little bit more defensive uh, all they need to do is kind of track anybody else if they finish second place won't be good enough but if it's if they're second and third the number 10 and the number seven even a third place in that situation would be good enough for Elio Castellevers and Ricky Taylor yeah, however and we'll say this on Saturday many times over I'm absolutely certain it is a long race uh, and you worry don't you uh, Shea, that you've got to get to the end. Um, yes, there will be, I have no doubt, because it's Sebring, hashtag respect the bumps, there will be attrition in all the classes, uh, but we've got, what, eight DPIs here, and for a championship contender, even, you know, uh, finishing eighth, uh, that, that might not be enough to get it done 
for the for the top two. They would then have to rely on somebody else if they have early issues, which they have to try and fight back from, or or you know even worse, some kind of contact that that puts them out of the race. To finish first in the championship, first you must finish. Yes, well, and as true. you rightly say, with eight cars in the category, if the say Ricky Taylor Elio Castro Nevers car finishes in eighth, that's 265 points. If the well, let's go with the ten. If the ten finishes in fifth or higher, that's 266 points, giving them the championship. If Pippo Durrani wins the race, he gets 268 points. So he would need the seven to finish no better than fifth. Actually, sixth, because the seven would still win on a countback. So that meant that both of the other cars need to schedule themselves to finish way lower, fifth, sixth, seventh, or eighth, and people would need to win. But this is 2020, and crazier things have happened. I love the fact that... Um our London producer, uh, Tim Greer, is checking out the arriving flights from the UK uh, to find out how the... And he said, assuming uh, Nick Yellowly was on the American flight, he's benefit from it landing more than an hour ahead of schedule, uh, which is, is very good. So maybe he wasn't planning to get here uh, for this, but uh, has been able uh, to. Very good. Like that a lot. Not sure what he routed through, whether he was on... Well, you see, I, I haven't been booking flights for so long, I can't remember the, the flight numbers. Uh, the direct American flight doesn't come into Orlando, it goes to uh, Miami. Um, in fact, Miami's the only Florida airport which is taking flights from the UK at the moment. And I think, is that 101 that flies into there in the early afternoon? So he might have been able to do that. Yeah, there's certainly not many flight options, I'd say. It's nothing like as many as there used to be, that's for sure. No, and, and, and particularly from the UK, because um, yeah. there are hubs that you can that you have to travel to um, and then route on from there. And, and um, as Tim rightly points out, Miami is the only Florida airport which is taking flight. It is 39, of course it was, 39 from LHR. 101 is uh, into JFK. Should have remembered that that's the one on the uh, what, used to be, what used to be on the nice equipment. Uh, A39 from LHI is what we reckon uh, Nick Yellerly might have been on uh, earlier on, and that landed more than an hour early, which might have been the difference, Jeremy, between him getting in to get in this session or or you know going straight to whatever accommodations he had and having to uh, just get into the sessions tomorrow. And on such things, can can the races like this turn, bizarrely? Well, that's absolutely right. It, you know, particularly if you got in kind of before the traffic out of Miami gets really bad as well. You know, that would have helped. That's a very good point. So, wouldn't it? it also, it's also kind of snowballs um, because if you get stuck in rough hour, rush hour traffic in, in Miami, that's not a lot of fun at all. Uh, and then it's a, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a fair old hike up uh, up to Sebring. So, yeah, it, everything clearly worked in his favour, and he's taken full advantage of it. Well done. Uh, still to do the night laps with 45, just 46 minutes to go. Shea Adams been ticking uh, off the list. Uh, what do you reckon, Shea? Unofficial, absolutely unofficially. Yeah. Unofficially, by, by my count and my little check marks, uh, Matt Bell and Naveen Rao still need their laps in the 51. That is the PR1 Matheson-Enford 
uh, from inter-Europe bowl competition. Welcome back to the U.S. and welcome back to IMSA to those crew. Uh, they both need their nine laps. We also have Mikkel Jensen who needs to get his laps done in the eight. That's the tower by Starworks car. But I would imagine that DHH will be jumping out of that car now since he's just brought it back into the pit lane. Cooper McNeil still needs laps in the 63 Scuderi, of course, Ferrari, that he shares with Alessandro Balzano and Jeff Westfall. And Stein Shorthorst needs laps in the number 11 GRT Lamborghini. And as I say it, he leaves the pit lane in the car. So thank you, Stein, for listening. And that's another check mark on my list. Very good. Uh, and so 45 minutes to go, as we mentioned. Alil Castro Neves now out in. The Acura Team Penske number seven car. It's Ollie Jarvis in the 77 Mazda from Multimatic in second. Some exciting news uh, recently about Mazda and the Mazda Global MX-5 Cup coming back to the IMSA, uh, back to the uh, IMSA fold and paddock. As Elio's just gone purple in the first sector but off has gone Ollie Gavin and where's that on a very dark far side of the circuit coming it was a, it was a quick part of the track Jean de Bien uh, oh he's hit the wall uh, he's hit the tyre barrier uh, on where's that turn three as he turns in locks up the left front yeah it is turn three I think Jeremy uh, locks up yeah. the left front Michelin coming in. That was a very odd-looking incident for OG. Now he's reversed out. We're still under green. There'll be damage, I would have thought, to the right front of that car. Remarkably, everything looks to be pointing in the right direction, so the tyre bundles there seem, Mr Shaw, to have done their job for Yardley Hastings' finest Corvette driver. Yes, yeah, that would be a major stroke of luck because he went in there pr pretty hard. Uh, certainly, the, you know, the tyre barriers there with that uh, kind of conveyor belt uh, in front of them, they, it'll certainly dissipate an awful, a, a goodly amount of energy, but he still went in there pretty pretty heavily. He's got to be doing 30, 40 miles an hour, yeah, I thought, so, yeah. when he knows that in there. Um, so, and it just kind of bounced back, bounced back. At least it didn't get so entangled in anything. That conveyor belt across the front of the tyres uh, can serve a kind of a dual purpose there. Uh, and it's uh, certainly done so, but uh, I think, yeah, they'll have a look over that car and be surprised that there's no damage at all. But yeah, they're pretty stoutly built, aren't they? These cars these days. There's nothing dragging, there's nothing falling off, it would appear, in the pictures that uh, are available. Uh, you know, yeah, wow, amazing. He hasn't even knocked the headlight alignment out, I don't think. I mean, he still seems to be able to see. Now, also off, uh, we have the 16 Porsche. Uh, that is uh, off the circuit as well. And that's going down. Oh, no headlights going down towards the hairpin in front of the hotel. That's second in the GTD Championship. That was no headlights on that car from a long way back. And there are tail lights, but I think they're only brake lights. I don't think that yeah. car's got any running lights at all, Shay. No, I would completely agree with that. It looked like the car was actually power cycling under braking 
Uh, who do we put behind the wheel of that one? That's Jan Halen behind the wheel right now. So this is going to be a moment of fright for the right motorsports crew down on the pit wall, knowing that they have a shot oh. to win this championship. But the headlights just flickered off as he came under the bridge before you go into turn seven. And then he went completely blind into the runoff area at seven. That was not a fun ride for Jan. No, it looked like he thought about going round. He put the, the uh, main beams on, the full beams on, uh, and then... Whether he was trying to turn the full beams off again uh, and turned everything off by accident, but he's got all of the illumination on the front of that car back up and running. Really smart thing to do, rather than just trying to run on and do it by smell or muscle memory uh, around the far side of the circuit. But Jan Halen running again in the right motorsport car. That is second in the GTD Championship, that Porsche. And they've rather... And I, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but they've rather done that, Jeremy, by stealth. Some great results without any fuss. The car has gone back to uh, its trailer at the end of a race weekend, pretty much exactly the way that it came off at the start of the weekend. Massive plus, plus points for that. Um, they, they've not always been in big battles, but they've always seemed to get good results at the end of the race. Well, that's right, and uh, you know they've had three podiums in the last five races, uh, which three in a row actually. Then a fourth place finish. And then last time out at uh, WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca a couple of weeks ago, there was a bit of argy bargy with uh, Alessandro Balzan, I think it was, and it, uh, in the late oh, yes. stages. Yes, yes. Car got in the back of number 63 and spun it around. Uh, they ended up only only sixth there, the number 16 car, which could have been a good bit worse if they got a penalty, of course, which they didn't. Um, so, uh, but yeah, very, you know, very, very well placed in the championship. You're right, they have been a bit stealthy about it. But Ryan Hardwick, you know, he's he's you know, picking up confidence as the season has gone along uh, and has done a really, really nice job. Patrick Long, well, he's no mean shoe, is he? At the wheel of a Porsche. So you would expect him to do exactly what he has done. Uh, apart from hitting Alessandro Bozan last time out. Uh, and that car is right in the thick of it. It's going to be a, an intriguing battle, I think, tomorrow or Saturday, I should say, in GTD. And remember how we always praise the loudspeakers around WeatherTech Race by Laguna Seca because they're so good. They were a little bit too effective, actually, and that contact between Patrick Long and Alessandro Balzan was precipitated by the fact that Patrick was listening to us with his ear earphones in and over the radio, and he heard us mention green and thought, oh, I should go. No, wait a minute, that's a British voice talking to me. So he started to accelerate, then he slowed down again, and then he went, so he was a little bit thrown off of his game, but Patrick is one of those drivers who would pump him to radio through the car if he had the choice, and at Laguna, he did have the choice. It was uh, a little bit of an extra pleasant uh, surprise for him. I, I love the fact that Patrick is now blaming me for calling the green flag and him getting on the power. So I'm going to see him next time around. That's going to cost him a luft, some Luftgekult uh, merchandise, that one. Uh, a little off a moment or two ago for uh, Elio Castro Neves. Uh, and now the tow hook has popped up on the front of that car, which rather looks like a gun sight on the front of the Acura Team Penske Acura DPI uh, for the forward-facing camera and presumably as well uh, for Elio. Oh, actually, it was popped. It was popped up before he he went off. Uh, actually, and that was trying to work out where that is. Is that coming onto the far side of the circuit at? Oh, that's coming out of turn seven. Uh, so that was coming out of turn seven. So he missed his breaking point going 
into it's really difficult without and without the fans around the circuit and the attendant uh, light and structures it's really different difficult in the dark jeremy to pick out where they are on the circuit well i'm not sure john because the pictures we saw early on there seemed to be quite a few fans there. It's a yeah probably uh, I, I don't think they're on the infield i think they're only allowed i don't think they're allowed into what we would call green park i think they're only allowed on the other side they're allowed on the far side of the pit lane in that yes. infield area correct yeah. so the midway either side of the midway either side so the start finish straight drivers left all the way around turns one two and three drivers left and down towards turn seven drivers left i, I don't think uh, that they're allowed on drivers right and therefore into as i say into the green park area that that's how i read it uh, let's take a vp uh, racing fuel pit and paddock update from share on first of all ollie gavin and the number four car after that lock up and contact with the tire wall at turn three this VP Race Fuels pit report is brought to you by Group Chat. Thank you guys for answering your text messages. From Ryan Smith, the four Corvette seems to be okay, thankfully for a very good tire bundle. The chatter on the radio is that the steering is fine. The nose was pushed in a little bit, but it wasn't anything beyond cosmetics. So that's the good news as far as that car is concerned. Next Group Chat member comes from Kelly Brule, who reported from Wright Motorsport, not an electrical gremlin. It comes down to being as simple as it looks like Don Halen just pushed the wrong button behind the wheel of the car, yeah. which is the best news for Porsche fans out there because the 16 Wright Motorsport Porsche lives on to fight another day. Yeah, as I say, he went onto the, the high beams uh, and then when he came off the high beams, everything went off, not just the the high beams. Uh, and also into the pit lane, by the way, Elio Castro Neves, uh, who uh, just had that little momentary off at the exit of seven. And he was getting, or at least his accurate DPI, was getting a new nose piece uh, on that car. And that is still going on down there. And it looks like they're uh, having a bit closer, a bit of a closer look. Um, now, I wonder then if they're looking at uh, brake cylinders and things like that, uh, because they're down there in that area. And it looks like there's a mechanic leaning in on the left-hand side of the car as well that's more Shea Adam than just a replacement nose there they've taken the nose off I haven't seen a new nose come out but what they're doing is looking at what they can service at something that they can service whilst that nose is uh, it has, has been detached yes and they do have the advantage of being the first pit box on the pit lane as a result of leading the championship so they have nobody in front of them they can leave the nose further out than normal because they don't have to worry about someone trying to come into their pit box and potentially hitting it. But that is where all of the brake, uh, the, the brake fluids go, where the cylinders are, as you rightly say, the steering components too. So perhaps something was knocked out of line. Maybe the toe was just kicked out ever so slightly and the steering wheel is a little bit too far to the right now. I mean, it, it could be any number of things. The good news is that all of their drivers have gotten in their minimum number of laps. Nobody had to get night laps in that car but you still want to get your driver cycled through and they are the fastest car that's gone out tonight so as far as the uh, check boxes go for them they're pretty happy with everything they've accomplished yeah they've replaced something underneath that nose section i, I saw them I've, I, I've seen them picking up components from in front of that car and now they're bolting um inspection covers back on and 
and things like that. I, I'm indebted to two Daniels or two Dans, Daniel Montgomery and uh, Dan Fly, uh, who both tell us that uh, at IMSA Radio that spectators are allowed in Green Park. It's not as many uh, as uh, normal. A little strange on the ground, he says, but listening in, as is Dan Fly. Fans are pretty much all around the track, drivers right and drivers left, uh, and we're listening in and enjoying the broadcast. Daniel, Dan, thank you very much indeed for getting in touch with us here uh, at IMSA Radio uh, on uh, the in the Twitter sphere. Uh, and don't forget, whilst I know that the PA is very, very good uh, around Sabring International, uh, we will be on WWOJ for the race on Saturday. Although they do insert their own local breaks, want to stay at an interruption free then IMSA Radio on RS2 or indeed on Sirius XM if you are so equipped uh, always available to you and we'll get you the uh, Sirius XM uh, channel numbers uh, as well uh, and uh, get them out for you by the weekend getting down a half an hour to go already Jeremy time flies when you're enjoying yeah. yourself it does doesn't it it's incredible really you're most the only car that hasn't done more than, I guess, 15 laps would be the uh, number 44 Magnus Racing, Magnus GRT Lamborghini that uh, Shay talked about a little while ago. That came out late. It's done only 10 laps, but uh, pretty much everybody else has done a, a pretty reasonable number of laps. Uh, the only, the, the least, the next least number is 14 by the another Lamborghini, coincidentally, the uh, Paul Miller Racing entry, car number 48. It's slightly curious that car's only done. Uh, well, 15 laps now. Brian Sellers started off, and uh, Madison Snow is out at the wheel of that car at the moment. The most laps completed in this session so far is uh, 26 by the number 31 car, the number 52 LMP2 car for PR1 at Madison Motorsports, and also the 911 Porsche. And uh, Augusta Farfus, number 24 BMW. At the time, it's Jeff, uh, John Edwards, will number 24, BMWS, just done 27 laps as well. So, yeah, quite a few laps being turned in this uh, in the first hour of this session. Uh, and it's Sirius 216XM201 uh, at the weekend. I know the guys in the safety trucks always like to uh, know that because they're uh, in the Chevy safety trucks are fully equipped. And as ever, to our safety teams, medical teams flag marshals corner workers frankly if you put your tickets or parking cars, all the volunteers thank you so much for giving the most precious commodity that you can, that is your time without you we can't go motor racing thank you, thank you, thank you all uh, and just a reminder, Sirius 216XM201 on Saturday for the race and however you join us Enjoy the weekend. Now, just getting a question about the number 11 GT Daytona Lamborghini GRT Grasser. Tom Firth on the Radio Show Limited Listeners Collective on Facebook saying, uh, what's happening with the Lamborghini number 11? According to time and scoring, they've had all three drivers in in about 10 minutes. Uh, they may well have done. Let me check that for you. Um, it, it, they might not have all done all their laps, but they could be practising darkness uh, 
Uh, high stand's done two stints uh, of a total four laps. Steen Schotthorst has done uh, one stint of three laps, and Brock Pereira has done three stints of 16 laps. So it was Pereira for a lap and in, Pereira for nine laps, high, uh, sorry, uh, for seven laps. So eight and seven for Pereira, then handing over to high stand for three, to shot horse for three, back to Pereira for one, back to high stand for one, and then Steen's back in. So they've done some laps. Who needed to get their nighttime laps in in the, uh, uh, the Brasser Lamborghini? Steen and Richard. So High Stand and Short Horse needed their laps, both of them. Right, so they did them. Um, so they've done those, and now they're basically doing a lap around and coming back in, is what they've done a couple of times now, and been practicing at nighttime, full speed, um, high octane driver changes I would say Tom on that Steen Schotthurst by the way might not be a um, a name well known to uh, some of our listeners but uh, we've done a fair bit of uh, chat about him down through the years he comes from a racing family, actually. Dutch, as you might imagine. Uh, his dad, Jerome. Uh, his brother is Peter. And he's got a nephew as well, Baz Schotthorst. Uh, all active in Dutch national motorsport. And Steen has driven for Camp Os and Arden and Stracker Racing, as well as a Tempto Racing as well. So uh, that was GP3 for Camp Os and uh, Arden. Uh, he did some uh, Stracker in the McLaren in GT3 in 17, and then a couple of races in Blancpain World Challenge Europe for Attempto, a couple of seasons rather, in Audi for Attempto, and was of course at Daytona, and was he, uh, Shea, did he do Motul uh, Petit Le Mans for GRT Grasser as well? He did, didn't he? Uh, not petite, but the six. Oh, hour, he did the I short. Think. Sorry, he did the he did the six hour. Yes. Yeah. I knew I knew we talked about him Atlanta. Yeah. Yes. Um, and he actually set the fastest lap of the weekend for GTV in in the category at Michelin Race Favorite Atlanta when he did run. And speaking of setting fastest laps, I've just been talking to a couple of different GTLM teams who are using this session not to try and get their cars tuned in for night running, when will be effectively the end of the race, but also for qualifying tomorrow. The Porsches, the BMWs, and soon to be the Corvettes, putting their their qualifying setups on the car to try and see what they have for tomorrow's only session. At IMSA Radio, if you want to get in touch with us. I think it's uh, fair to say that Steenshot Horst has got a fairly rounded uh, bit of uh, experience behind him. Uh, in the meantime, Jeremy, uh, we've got a new second place uh, and it's uh, back to Acura Cadillac Mazda again. Yes, indeed it is. Uh, an improvement there for uh, Pippo Durrani, who's now brought that car, number 31 car into uh, the pits. Uh, 29 laps completed now by uh, by that car. Um, so, yeah, clearly things are, I think, going to plan for the number 31 team. 
they are behind number seven car, which they don't want to be, of course. But uh, I think you know they're, they're they're running to their to their game plan at the moment. And Darren Turner has just gone out the pits in the 23 Aston for Heart of Racing. Uh, so works driver and Aston Martin ambassador uh, out on the circuit. And that car's third fastest, uh, Ian James so. at the time. Yeah, a two bits 2.738 for Ian James. Frank Pereira as uh, the fastest in that class in this session that you talked about a little while ago. Lawson Aschenbach in second place. Lawson Aschenbach in that Riley Motorsports uh, Mercedes. He's he's set uh, fastest lap of the race a couple of times in the last uh, three or four races, last four races. So it's a, so it's a good speed. Ship. Mikkel Jensen and Cooper McNeil have now done their laps too, meaning that we have one driver left on this list to try and get the nighttime laps in, and that would be Naveen Rao in the 51 uh, LMP2 entry. What happens if he doesn't get the laps in? Does that mean he can't drive when it's dark? Correct, can't drive at night. It's that simple, which might be their plan all well, along. I was, that, that, that's why I asked that, and there are some people who don't like driving at night. I love it. I love being in a race car when it's dark. Any car, actually, when it's dark. Give me a quiet country road uh, and uh, a bit of darkness in a car with even half-decent headlights, never mind what you get on race cars nowadays. And I'm a very happy bunny. Oh, sorry. It's very... Not bunny. Hey, hey, hey. Don't, <laughs> no. don't use the B word. I don't, um, it's a very dangerous game to play, though, if not all three of your drivers are equipped to drive at night, particularly when we have so much night running as we do for this race, because... Yeah. If someone else in the car gets sick and yeah. can't drive for the maximum amount that you're expecting them to, then you don't have anyone who can fill in. That's not a good situation. Uh, that is a very good point. Remember, four hours is the maximum in any six in the race, and that's whether you are entered in one car or two. Uh, and remember, Earl Bamba is entered across two of the Porsches uh, this weekend. Uh, and, well, the minimum times are... Uh, negligible for the professional classes uh, there are minimal minimum times for the pro-am classes and for those looking for the uh, amateur awards which come with the very handy uh, invitation to Le Mans Jeremy yeah Naveen Rao not sure he'd have driven anything at night before in, in terms of racing cars actually uh, this is of course his debut the Sports Car Championship this weekend. He's been driving in the Prototype Challenge Series for the last uh, couple of years, won the championship this season, of course, uh, with Matt Bell. Uh, they've, they've had a fantastic season, and those two now moving up into, into these racks. Matt Bell, of course, he, he did the race uh, at, uh, at Mission Raceway Road Atlanta a few weeks ago, so he's already driven these cars once this season. He's also got five previous starts into a sports car championship dating back to 2014 but for Naveen Rao uh, this is a, a new this will be a new experience for him so I'd be very very surprised if they didn't send him out here uh, you know with uh, yeah before the end of this session just to get some experience apart from anything else I wonder if they're waiting until later in the session when they hope there will be fewer cars on the track uh, just so he's got a chance to get his night laps in. Matt has driven in the dark before. Matt, uh, the younger brother of uh, Rob Bell, uh, McLaren works drivers for quite some time, uh, both from the northeast of England. Well, I think they're both relocated now. Uh, Rob certainly living in 
uh, I think in Liverpool area now. Uh, Matt's just brought that car into the pits, the 51 into Europol Orica, LMP2, third place car. Let's see if Naveen gets in now into that car. Uh, I just noticed that somebody else has gone quicker. Ah, Mikkel Jensen as well. Mikkel Jensen for Tower Motorsport 150.8 is the fastest in that class. Uh, and that was the last time around. Uh, Elio Castro Neves. Has that car gone back out of the pits since Elio beached it and they started messing around on the front? Yes, it has. All right, so it's been out and back around, done a couple of laps at least. Um, we saw, for those of you who perhaps don't uh, follow every single one of the races, and I do ex accept as well if you were in Europe for the WeatherTech Raceway race, it was at rather odd times for the European audience. Um, Elio uh, had a bit of a rush of blood uh, with Felipe Nasa and uh, drove into him um, and actually put that car out of the whole session. And I, I, it didn't look to be a huge incident, um, but it clearly did quite a lot of damage uh, to the side of the Acura and they had to take it behind the wall and fix it and they lost that whole session. And did get a penalty for that, uh, which was uh, he got parked in a free practice session. Uh, but, and... Uh, the, uh, uh, but I, I just wonder, um, are we seeing some fragility from the, the Acura? Because that was just a basic run on out of the exit of turn seven. Now, what we don't know was that the cause of the problems or the effect of something that had already gone wrong. They did have the front of that car off for quite a long time, and they were doing a bit more than tinkering in there it looks like they were doing more fettling than tinkling tinkering um which it's a it might be a um a, a small distinction jeremy but i think an important one it didn't they weren't certainly just bolting a no, new nose on to that acura when it was in the pits all that time yeah good point uh yeah they'll, they'll certainly you know, wanted to make sure there's absolutely nothing wrong with it and it was in the pit there for quite a quite a quite a period of time so uh, they won't, they won't, won't want to be taking any chances at all with that number seven car leading the championship coming into this final round. Yes, what they can't afford to do is not get that car to the start and turn some laps. Yes. Um, and, and hey, you know, it's Sebring, it bites. If And, and I, this is pure speculation, and I know Shea is chasing this up with uh, the guys at Acura, but let's say there was a steering issue or a braking issue, there are a few places that are far worse to go off than down at turn seven. And if you head into a wall at the Jean de Bian Benz or go off at turn one, uh, that could have serious repercussions for the rest of your weekend, Jeremy. Well, very much so, yeah. I mean, this is a pretty un unforgiving racetrack, and uh, particularly as we've had rain here, the grass is probably still fairly damp, and yeah. it's been pretty hot today, but uh, you, you the cars will slide across the grass. There's uneven surfaces everywhere, and it's very easy to do a lot of damage to this racetrack. There's a whole bunch of different corners on which you can come to grief pretty substantially. So, um, yeah, you, you, you've got to. You know, there's no doubt in my mind the number seven car will be, you know, taking absolutely no, uh, no risks at all. Do you? And is is it the Penske way? And, I, and I'm asking this as an open question, Jeremy. They need to finish fifth 
So in the early parts of the race, do you just stay out of trouble with that car and say, so long as we're staying on the lead lap, somewhere near the lead lap, staying in, the, you know, there's eight cars in the class, so long as we're not last, um, we're probably going to be all right. And then wait to see what happens in the last three hours. Yeah, probably. I mean, you know, they certainly won't want to take it. Yeah, you know, they won't want to take any risks, like I say. But uh, you know, Elio Castroneves, in, in particular, you know, is a racer, isn't he? He's going to want to go out uh, and win the championship in the best way possible by winning the race. Uh, but uh, so yeah, they're going to have to rein him in again. And this is his last race, of course, with with Team Penske after an awful long time with that organisation in uh, various various different uh, series. So. Um, you know, he's going to want to go out with a with a with a bang, figuratively, literally. <laughs> no, absolutely not literally. Don't even don't even use that terminology. Tim Sindrick knows where you live, Jeremy. He'll be round your house, putting bricks through the window if something goes wrong after that. If he thinks you're winding those guys up a bit, oh my goodness, mate. Weeks, John. I suppose we've got to be careful, not oh, For those that don't know, Jeremy and I, in particular, at uh, uh, which was it? Was it Charlotte? Charlotte then then rode Atlanta. Basically, every time we mentioned a car in whatever series, a car or a driver, no matter how well they were going, um, it it might as well have, have literally been shot with a laser. It was it was extraordinary. The curse of the commentator was strong, it was very strong, and we have got teams now asking us not to mention them in the play-by-play, -play, which is highly unusual. <laughs> Normally, you get told off because you're not mentioning teams enough. Uh, we've ne no, for goodness' sake, don't mention us. Okay, fine. Of course, there's no such thing that can happen, or is there? <laughs> 15 minutes to go and a new fastest lap again for Mikkel Jensen in the Tower Motorsports by Starwork Orica. Uh, pretty much on home ground, or at least in the home state for uh, Starworks. The number eight car with a 150.127. That's consecutive laps that Mikkel Jensen has improved the best time in LMP2, Jeremy. He's a bit of a star, isn't he? Oh, he is. Uh, Michael Jensen, 25-year-old uh, from Aarhus in, in, in Denmark. Uh, he was he, he made his debut at uh, Petit Le Mans, was, uh, played a starring role there, uh, and he's mighty quick here. He did a, I think it was 150.6 when he started talking uh, about him going to, to setting a new fastest time. Now got that down to a 50.1. That's within four-tenths of a second of the of the number 55 Mazda, for goodness sake. Uh, it's within 1.8 seconds of the fastest time of the day of the of the evening uh, that is a stout effort really really impressive for Michael Jensen in that, that number uh, Michael Jensen that number eight car for the uh, the uh, uh, Talmos what by Starworks team he's almost two seconds clear now of the championship winning number 52 PR1 Matheson Motorsports entry yeah I've won the uh, LMP3 category for Euro International uh, actually, in the Michelin uh, Le Mans Cup in, oh, when was that? 2019, last year? Yes, I think it was, wasn't it? Yes, it was, now that I've found the page that I was looking for. As race for G-Drive uh, in the European Le Mans series as well. Finished third in the championship. He 
started off in single-seater racing and won the ADAC Formula Masters Championship back in 2014. Yeah, I think that was the ADAC I think was the old uh, Formula BMW. I think that was the last year of that championship. It was. And that driver, that, that series was responsible for producing a lot of very talented drivers. Uh, Hang on, he raced for BMW Team Schnitzer in. I oh know that was the GT Masters, not the Formula Masters. Yes, of course. No, I think you're right, Jeremy. I think that was the last year in 2014. Uh, raced for Mucker Motorsport, um, AT Racing, Valkenhorst, BMW Team Schnitzer. You don't get to drive for Team Schnitzer if you're not any good. Yeah. Uh, let's let's be absolutely honest. Charlie Lamb, God rest his soul, um, and the. Uh, personality of Charlie is still all pervading a BMW team schnitzer uh, and they they like talent and they recognise talent uh, and you can say the same for Valkenhorst for whom he's raced in the Blancpain GT Series Endurance Cup as well so he's clearly been spotted Jeremy and uh, what we've seen here in IMSA absolutely rightly so he's, he's got a future that lad question about it he, he's been super fast uh, whenever we've seen him over here I mean, he was you know, blindingly quick at mission uh, raceway so you know it's uh, it's always good to see new new young talent coming through he's only 25 years of age so you're relatively new um, and you know just for just his second race in North America uh, once again showing very well this you know, this is not an easy track so to be said those sort of lap times here uh, with uh, you know, fairly minimal amount of track time is, is good. I mean, that's that time of 150.1, that's just half a second away from Gustavo Menezes' is his, um, fastest, re well, actually, lap record run here, because that is quicker than the qualifying lap wow. record, uh, which is a 149.7. So 149.6, the quickest lap around here in an LMP2 car. And in the dark, first time here, Michael Jensen, within a half a second of that. Uh, Nick Yellerly jumping back into the 96 car, the Turner Motorsport car. He's back out again, but I think uh, is that 202? That's not his time then. It is his time. It is his time. It okay. is. Yes, it is. Right. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah, set back on lap 15 in that car this evening. Sure. I'm just. I'm amazed at how well Nick Yellowly has been able to adapt, given that he's never raced on this track before. And the first time he gets to see it is at night. And he not only goes out, but he sets a faster lap time than either Robbie Foley or Dylan McIverne, two guys who have been racing here for a long time. That is super impressive from Yellowly. Well, either that or the fact that he can't see anything around him means he doesn't know <laughs> how spooky it can be around here. In the daylight, go out tomorrow in the daylight and go, oh my goodness me, what was I thinking of last night? I know, I'm sure well, he won't. Well, he actually won't go out in the daylight until morning warm-up before the race, John. So he has a whole another 24 hours That's beyond right. tomorrow to think about it. Uh, unless unless they make him qualify, which might not be the worst thing no. to get tomorrow. He's platinum. Oh, he's platinum. He can't qualify. Yeah, absolutely Correct. right. Uh, spin down at the hairpin, turn seven for the hard point Audi. Uh, and that's Andrew Davis. And I, I don't say that very often. The AudiTireCenter.com sponsorship on that car again this weekend and Andrew gets out of harm's way pretty quickly now I think he was on his own as he came in there just lost the back end heading into the apex and spun away from the apex looked like 
it was the Acura of uh, Mario Farnbacher who'd just gone out of the pits, who came upon him first of all. The 86 car going through, I think it was. Uh, but Andrew managed to get the engine back, fired up, waited. He's watching the marshals, waiting for a gap. Started to move, then had a P2 car bearing down on him, which I think was Simon Drummer in the PR1 car. Uh, and then got himself onto the grass to make sure that he uh, he got out the way as quickly as possible. Uh, I mentioned the 86 Acura there, Shea. Uh, give us some news on uh, that machine. That car was slow out on track at the time of Andrew Davis' spin because it had just come out of the pit lane from a brake pad change. They're betting into new brakes for the race. Now, when I first was told that the Acura was having some work done on the brakes, it gave me a slight moment of, um, uh, what's it called, deja vu, when there was a brake issue for an Acura a couple years ago with Dustin Marks, and it resulted in a very big crash that actually damaged the chassis, but the crew managed to get the car back out for the race. It was a, a monster performance by them. But no, this was just all planned. This was everything that they had ready to go, trying to get ready for the Sebring 12 hours and trying to win their championship. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was the uh, 86 that had to go uh, around the spinning hardpoint car. Uh, what I should have mentioned, Jeremy, is how well the hard team hardpoint Audi is going in GT3. We've seen hardpoint in GT4 for uh, quite some time. They've added the GT3 car and they're well up the timing screen. Well, they are, yeah, fourth fastest in this session. Uh, actually, fifth, I guess fifth now. Someone's, someone's just gone ahead of them. I thought they were fourth, but uh, yeah, no, fourth position, sorry, but yeah, number 30 is fourth, fourth position. It was Pierre Caffer that set that time, and 202.893. So, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a really sad effort that the, that new team this year to the Ipsa World Tech Sports Car Championship, initially planning just to do the the uh, sprint cut race, the short, shorter races, but did their first long distance race at uh, at the, it was the six hour, wasn't it, at, uh, yeah. at Michelin Raceway Road Atlanta. Um, so you're a different driver lineup because Rob Ferriol, his regular co-driver, Spencer Compelli, he's already committed to running with the GRT Magnus team in the long distance races. So he's had to get different drivers in for the for the longer races. Uh, the, the team's best result this year in their first season has been a sixth place so far. So, you know, it's it's looking good. That's a really nice run for that team this evening in the number 30 team hardpoint Audi. Yeah, and good effort for them uh, to take on a second programme. Uh, and news for them for next year here they've got a very interesting partnership brewing and what looks like a change of manufacturer for 2021 they have aligned themselves with earl bamber motorsports to run some cars in what will be the carrera cup us for next year and given that that's a porsche team running a porsche yeah, I, I can see that switch happening. Oh, and then you throw in a face uh, that I saw on their pit wall today. And it, it, he wasn't there for the first time today. It was just the first time that I've seen him. Owen Hayes, who is a man who is very well acquainted with Porsches. So there could be a slightly different German crest on the front of their car next year. Owen uh, could engineer a shopping trolley to a win, actually. He's, uh, <laughs> uh, yes, we do associate him more latterly with, uh, uh, with Porsche but uh, his engineering skills are impressive uh, and he'll make any car go quicker. Uh, good to know that Owen is back in the IMSA paddock again. 
So plenty of news coming out of the paddock. Shea Adam will stay across that as our VP Racing Fuels Pit and Paddock reporter Jeremy Sean and John Hindorf, hello, uh, are in the Haggerty Global Broadcast Centre as we are under six minutes to go. And Jeremy's watching the time and maybe we're doing reverse commentator's <laughs> curse this time around, Jeremy. I think so. Uh, hats off to Andrew Davis there. Just uh, he's still in fourth position in GTD, but he just set that car's best time, a 208.834. Uh, as I say, remains uh, fourth quickest, but that's good. Really, really promising for that team to see two of its drivers among the top four in the overall times in this night session. Uh, that'll be a very uh, great. It'll be great to watch Andrew and Pierre Kaffer pushing themselves uh, along in that team, both extremely experienced drivers and great characters as well uh, absolute gentlemen the pair of them lovely always lovely to talk to um, there was a, a season a couple of years ago what seems a couple of years ago might be longer ago now where I kept bumping into Andrew at various uh, airports and sitting down and talking to him about all kinds of things apart from racing or away from racing as well as a bit of racing as well of course uh, a very rounded, well-rounded individual, and uh, you can say exactly the same about. See, I nearly called him Young Mr. Kaffer again. About Pierre Kaffer, I do remember the first <laughs> time. Well, no, I, th I think you might object to that, Jeremy. Yes, um, I, I, I still remember the first time Pierre Kaffer caught my eye. We were at a European Le Mans series on the Nurburgring Grand Prix circuit, and it absolutely poured down a brain and he was driving a Porsche and I remember him uh, driving round the outside of prototypes round some of the corners uh, round some of the corners uh, literally on, on on the karting style rain line and unlapping himself from the, from the prototypes and I thought who's this kid and he was a young lad in those days but my goodness he can drive and he's a thoughtful driver he's a good analytical driver excellent feedback according to the engineers that he's worked with uh, and that's that's a nice hire uh, for for that team Andrew Davis will always give 100% and adding Pierre Caffer to that is not going to make that team any worse at all uh, Shea Adam with some news uh, of someone behind the wall we think there's definitely people deciding to call it a night a little bit before night practice ends as we have just over uh, three minutes to go. But I definitely just heard the dulcet tones of a Ferrari driving by. And then that was quickly followed. Well, not quickly. I had a speed. I don't want to get anyone in trouble um, by the sounds of what to me sounded like a Lamborghini and then perhaps a Mercedes. So there's quite a few cars that are definitely packing it in a little bit early. Isn't it lovely that you could tell that just by the engine notes? Oh, it makes me happier than I can even say that I can hear these sounds it's, and, and to know what the cars are because they do sound so differently. And, and I, I have to say, I was out on the pit wall earlier today, John, and the shock of the morning for me was how shrill the Porsches in the GTLM category sound now because they sound like LMP2 cars after you've been away from them for a while. Yeah. It's really surprising. And remember how much quieter they are than the previous version of that car, which was like razor blades across your eardrums. 
without yeah. without the mufflers on them remember yes and they it used to be such a well even the gtd car you can directly compare the the two cars out on track at the same time but there were a couple of points today where i heard cars coming through 17 and i thought ah it's lmp2 cars and when i leaned up from squatting down behind the wall to just peek over and see who was coming by there were porsches well with about uh, 90 seconds left of this nighttime practice and if you've stayed with us in the UK almost uh, midnight 45 uh, and an hour later than that of course in Central Europe well done to you if you have stayed with us full day tomorrow on Friday much of which uh, is in sound and vision for all of which is in sound uh, and vision for our coverage uh, let's take you through how it stands at the moment and then if there are any changes uh, you'll find out that in the next couple of minutes or so GT Daytona 19th overall for the best uh, GT3 car. That's the GRT Grasser Racing Team. And the Lamborghini Huracan has turned 2.02510. That's a tenth or so ahead of the Mercedes AMG GT3 of Riley Motorsport. That's the 74 car in the pit. Aston Martin makes it three different manufacturers in the top three. Uh, Darren Turner has pitted the 23 car there another oh, just on a tenth behind so that's the top two within the top three within two tenths the top four within three tenths because that's Andrew Davis driven uh, team high point Audi in fourth position number 30 is just another tenth further back and guess what just another tenth far, uh, further back from that in fact not even a tenth is the Scuderia Corsa Alessandro Balzan uh, pitted that car a wee while ago. That's the Ferrari, uh, the number 63 car. Checkered flag is out. BMW M6, Nick Yellowly now in sixth position. He's another half a tenth further back. Then 0 0.018 of a second back in seventh position. Pat Long for Wright Motorsports. He is still out there. Absolutely incredible. I'll keep going. Uh, Acura. We haven't had a repeat yet, have we? No, we haven't. So I reckon nine different manufacturers, Jeremy, in the top nine, and 11 cars in a second in GTD. Pretty remarkable, isn't it? Yeah, that, that is impressive. Uh, and uh, yeah, you've all, the entire class covered by less than a second and a half. And again, for the, for the, for the GTD cars, it's over two minutes around here. Two minutes, 2.5, the fastest uh, lap. So 1.483 seconds coming all, all uh, 13 of them. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be fun. Uh, in GT Le Mans, the well, no, go ahead, Jeremy. The, the, well, I was going to say, the teammate to the championship uh, leading car is, is last of those 13. Well, extraordinary stuff. GT Le Mans has Porsche Porsche. Uh, that's 911 from 912. They're separated by a third of a tenth of a second, 0 0.030, zero, two and a half tenths further back. Uh, Colton Herter for BMW. He'll cross the line in a moment. Uh, just having crossed the line uh, and the stripe on the famous concrete. Jordan Taylor for Corvette number uh, three in fourth position. John Edwards for BMW is in fifth. And sixth is Tom Milner for Corvette. And that is how they finished. They've all now seen the chequered flag except Nick Tandy, uh, who was already in the pits in LMP2. Michael Jensen for Tower Motorsport. I mean, bossed that session. Two seconds ahead of the rest of the field, headed up. Uh, and by the way, Naveen Rao did get out in the Inter-Europol to get his uh, 
nighttime laps in ahead of Performance Tech uh, as well. So Tower PR1 into Europol, Performance Tech in LMP2. And at the front of the field, uh, Alexander Rossi has just taken the chequered flag for Accurate Team Penske. That car ends up nearly two tenths ahead of Philippe Nazar for the number 31 wheel and Cadillac. Uh, they are a tenth just under, actually, ahead of Tristan Nunes, who's just taken the checkered flag for Mazda. Then it's Cadillac number 10. They were in the pits. They're a couple of tenths further back. Half a second further back is Juan Montoya uh, in the other accurate team, Penske, the sixth car, and the top six made up by Tristan Fortier for Mustang Sampling. Then it's Harry Tinknell in seventh for the 55 Mazda and 85 JDC, and uh, that is... 1.2 seconds uh, between the top uh, of the, uh, in fact, the whole of the DPI field. And it was Ricky Taylor that set the time, was it, Jeremy, that I was talking about Indeed. that? Right. Indeed it was, yeah, Ricky Taylor fastest at 148.358. Right, thank you very much indeed. Cher, thank you very much. Thank you, this was a lot of fun. Ah, it's just flown over. I can't believe it. Uh, thanks to our team on the ground uh, doing all the hard work at uh, at the raceway, at Sebring International Raceway. Uh, we're blasting out over the PA system uh, there. Jeremy Shaw joined me, John Hangdorf, in the Haggerty Global Broadcast Centre. Shea Adam was our VP Racing Fuel Pit and Paddock reporter. Thanks to Tyler and uh, all of the IMSA crew there for getting us uh, on to the PA. And to Tim Gray, who was up in London, making sure that we were talking to the world on RS2 IMSA Radio. Hope you've enjoyed our extra coverage here on Thursday. Get a good night's sleep because Friday is so chock full with action that if we try to squeeze anything else in, we'd need some liquid soap and a shoehorn. It all starts at 8 o'clock, or a little before, actually, when we go racing for the IMSA Porsche GT3 Cup Challenge USA penultimate round of the 2020 season with Yokohama in the, uh, the last two events of the current format of that championship so make sure you're up and about early if you're at the track race cars waking you up means you won't need to set your alarm for everybody else check the website at radio-show.co.uk for our schedule in your own time zone that's it from sebring for this evening the final weekend of the imsa weathertech sports car championship and of imsa competition for 2020 continues with fast friday tomorrow good night this programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.